So our gospel reading is printed for you here in the liturgy. It's the uh, short reading from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm trying to get to it here. So human, my page is stuck together, I think. Okay, Matthew 10. Um, I'll read it for us. You read along, if you would. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Um... As we contemplate this passage together, I want to give you a little bit of a, a challenge, I guess is the only word that comes to mind. Uh, I'll challenge myself here too. Uh, the you, whoever welcomes you, that's you and me, all right? We'll get to that. Um, God, we pray that you would open our ears, that we would hear the gospel our eyes that we would see Jesus, and our eyes through Jesus, we pray that we would see the world as Jesus does. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The verses today in our reading come at the end of a longish passage wherein Jesus sends the disciples out to continue Jesus' ministry in Jesus' name, And in Jesus' power, which is to say, God, the Creator and Redeemer's power, this longish passage begins way a few verses earlier with these words, Then Jesus summoned His twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to cure every disease and every sickness. In the intervening verses between those introductory verses that I just read and our concluding verses that I also just read here this morning, in those intervening verses, there is a lot. There is the prediction of failure, what to do about failure. There's the prediction of opposition, trials, tribulations, even family discord, and prediction of blessing. That's where we are This morning, we're back to the prediction of blessing. And all of those experiences would have been familiar not only to the disciples as they go out and do as Jesus asked them and summoned them to do, but they would have also been familiar to the early Christians hearing the gospel. As at this point, when when the gospel of Matthew goes out to the early church to be read during worship, uh, the early church was experiencing persecution from the religious leadership in the synagogues and also the beginnings of persecution that will become full-blown from the Roman Empire. And in some instances, persecution even from their own biological families. Lee Pileman, our seminarian in residence, last week in her sermon, or her homily, she did all the heavy lifting on this passage she really did. I'm like, okay, Lee, I'm glad you picked last Sunday and you gave me this one. I can just come along and back clean up. Uh, if you haven't heard that homily, it, it will be online soon if it isn't now, and I encourage you to listen to it. 
Her treatment of the passage uh, that precedes ours this morning is among, honestly, the best I've ever heard on some very dense and complicated material. So check it out. Now, our passage this morning, as I mentioned earlier, is the summary of this longish passage, which is Jesus' commissioning of the disciples to go out and represent Jesus in the world. And in our passage this morning, these you know, few verses that we have, they're full of hope. In these few verses, Jesus tells us that when we represent him and continue his ministry, that some people will welcome us and really be happy that we have done it. And that when people welcome us, they're actually welcoming Jesus. And that when they're welcoming us and welcoming Jesus, they're actually welcoming the presence of God, the Creator and Redeemer, into their midst. These are words of encouragement to the disciples and the early church. They needed to hear these words of encouragement. Because the message of the gospel and word indeed is not always met with welcome, and so at least spent a lot of time last week reminding us of. The authorities, those in power, do not want a vision of life that competes with the Roman way, the Roman authority, the worship of the emperor, etc., but Jesus is saying that even in spite of that opposition, the message and the messengers will still be welcome. The God-appointed times and the God-appointed places. And they should dig in in those moments and those opportunities and make those places of welcome bastions of the hospitality of God in this world. When I think of a bastion of God's hospitality, I immediately think of Breakthrough Urban Ministries, our community service partner for over 20 years. Their work and their presence in Garfield Park, that's what I think of. And I also think, you know, quite recently, of the great work of a big handful of folks from Grace who have recently gathered to make and deliver meals for the migrants living in the Division 19 police station, and then others who have worked in other parts of the city on the north side on behalf of the migrants. The work of Breakthrough and of our volunteers recently with regard to the migrant meals, and those are both great examples of bringing God's redemptive presence to a particular people in a particular place. The welcome is a testimony to what is promised here. Those who live near Breakthrough overwhelmingly celebrate Breakthrough's good works and good words. Same with the migrants who receive those metaphorical and actual cups of cold water. All of them are welcoming Jesus in their midst. Now a quick sidebar here. It's not surprising that God's redemptive presence is so quickly welcomed in the context that I just mentioned. In Matthew's day, those who the empire hurts the most are the ones who see through its claim to have legitimacy. 
they're the ones who see through its, um, they're the ones that not only see through its claim to have legitimacy, they are the ones who welcome Jesus as the only true and good ruler. They see in Jesus an emperor whose self-interest starts and finishes with their well-being. And today, those who have been left behind by the powers also are the people, the very people, who welcome the kingdom of God when it comes near. And we have the weighty responsibility to make sure that the kingdom is coming near to them. And the responsibility for church like grace is not simply weighty, but it requires self-discipline and sacrifice to keep our eye on the ball. Those who first receive the commission and the promise of welcome uh, that Matthew is addressing, they're also predominantly the little ones, the least of these, the poor, the vulnerable, the marginalized. They're the ones who bring the message to the poor and the vulnerable. It was easy to recognize among those who are listening to the disciples that they have nothing to gain by their ministry, but Jesus, in, in, in his instructions to them, goes out of his way to make it even more clear. I mean, they are not rolling up in luxury vehicles. They are not riding into town on chariots. They barely have two shekels to rub in between their two fingers, almost all the disciples description. And Jesus says, okay, let's make it really clear that you've got nothing and that you want nothing in return. Uh, don't go with anything. Don't take extra clothes. Uh, don't take a purse. Don't even take something that you could put money in. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, go out into the world as I have gone into the world Go vulnerable. Go vulnerable so they will trust you. Um, that's how the first disciples go. And this is, you know, Matthew's listeners who are having this read to them by someone who can read in their worship service. They're among those same people. It was not hard for the early church or the disciples to imagine going into the world with vulnerability. It is not so easy for us to imagine that we are going into the world to represent Jesus' self-giving love, Jesus' vulnerability. We are not holy, but in large part privileged in our church community at least relatively speaking. We must recognize every day that with the blessings that have come to us have come serious responsibilities to bring those blessings to others. It will not be easy. Our empire does not remind us of this responsibility. Your Instagram, if you have it, does not remind you of that responsibility. Your TikTok, if you have it, does not remind you of that responsibility. I, I have heard of TikTok, okay? 
you know, I'm, I'm not very young, but I've heard of TikTok. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Um, you know, the media does not, you know, you're not getting this message. That this is why we're here, whether you're on Zoom or here in this space. Each week, this is ground zero for us to be reminded that we have a weighty responsibility. Um, the same one that the first disciples had. That's why I started out, this, I wasn't thinking about this earlier, but that's why I lived a little bit at the very beginning and said, the you is you, the you is me. And you're thinking to yourselves, who, me? <laughs> yes, you, yes, me. And I was so grateful that Kara shared, as she shared this morning, about her feelings about imposter syndrome and told that great story of Jesus calling of Peter that Caleb preached to her and reminded her in Kara's words that she was and a sinner, just like Peter, and it was okay because Jesus would show Jesus' glory and love through her. And by the way, those manatees, I'm pretty sure we saw the same ones, so we know where you were. My family was just down there on the same stretch of the intercoastal. I bet they were the same manatees. Anyway, I was joking with Kara, my family, or somebody earlier this morning about any community reflection about manatees is already, you know, way ahead of, of a lot of them. So, um, but that, that's seriously though a wonderful thing to keep in mind because, you know, a couple of different ways to be consistent with the gospel when you do something that I just did as the preacher. And when I look at everybody and try to make eye contact as much as I can and say the you is you and the you is me, you know, a couple ways you connect that to the gospel. One of them is just simply to say, and we're all imperfect, and it's okay, and we're forgiven. And that's true, okay? And that's a good enough thing to do in one way. Uh, but the other thing is to say, this is the pattern of how Jesus works in the world. <laughs> you know, Jesus does not work through people who have it all together. This is part of the design. Part of the design is to work through people who are constantly being reminded of how imperfect they are uh, when they're honest with themselves, right? Th these are the very people. Don't wait for somebody else to be better than you to take this passage seriously. There is no one better than you. And if they pretend they are, they'll lie about other things too. We are people who are all broken, we're all messed up, but God's glory comes through those cracks of brokenness, heals us, makes us whole. And our responsibility is to, as the Belhar Confession puts it, stand where the Lord stands. Not because you're worthy, not because you're good, not because you're smart, not because you're perfect, but stand where the Lord stands because that's what we've been summoned to do. We stand with the little ones, bearing witness to the presence of a big God, who wants to lift every human being so that we may all enjoy the blessings and promises of the kingdom of God. May the Holy Spirit organize our lives, our bank accounts, our friendships, our everything so that we may stand where the Lord does more and more faithfully. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.